The Everything Else is powered by Abstracta and Learning. Hello, hello! <laughs> Welcome back! We're so excited, we can't hide it. Welcome back to the Everything Else podcast. For those of you who are new and don't recognize my high pitch and this laughter, <laughs> I'm Med and I'm here with my awesome co-host and partner in crime, Veda. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you, Veda? I'm fine, you. Yeah. Are you happy too? Excited to Is be here. Is it just me? Yes. <laughs> it's not just you. Ah, it feels good to be back. I miss this. We've been up to a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. haven't we? Yeah. Uh, I bet our listeners have been up to it. When was the last time that we recorded? I think it was December. No, well, we did the... But it was a special... We haven't yes. done an episode in episode a while, like since November yeah. or something. It's been a while. I hope you guys missed us. It feels like we took a gap year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everything has been moving so fast lately that... Usually we start our season in July or June, July, mm -hmm. and it felt like we had we'd been out too long. We had to come back. So, quick recap on what's going on there's for a, us. There's always something going on. The everything else season four now. I thought it was season five when I was starting because was like, we did this years? kind of trick. We did we did some <laughs> mid-season <laughs> specials. All right, but this is a big deal for us, right? And yep. we're always experimenting on formats to see what works better for you and for us because we like expanding. Yeah, and we won't be doing sound bites anymore. In fact, we're moving all of our sound bites to YouTube, and we'll be doing them sporadically when we feel we'll, like it, yes. right? But we are leaving our longer episodes here so that we can talk in depth in this space. Exactly. And we've learned a lot about our experiment with sound bites, right? Yeah, I think we were able to summarize. That was the <laughs> the conclusion, right? Mm -hmm. Like what we were the goal was we had to summarize in five minutes all so our So we're able to do it. Now we are choosing to go in depth anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so logistics aside, then let's get this ball rolling, shall we? Do you want to tell people what we have in store for them today? First episode well, of fourth season. Talking about learning, mm -hmm. we thought we'd kick this baby off with a topic that's important for both of us, something that we've been learning the past couple of years. Yeah. So today we're finally dedicating a whole episode to NVC, nonviolent communication, Ooh. a skill we've been dedicating and practicing for quite a while. Yeah. But wait, don't run away when we said nonviolent communication. We don't like the name either. We've talked about this before. It feels like we're going to be talking about how to not punch each other or something. Um, we haven't been able to find a better name. No, we tried though. No, so bear with us. NVC cannot be taught in one episode. This is what we've been also reminding ourselves. <laughs> so we would need a whole podcast with various seasons for yeah. this, and yeah. we're not going to do that. So today we'll be introducing the concept of NVC, what it is, uh, what is and what isn't violent language, and then we'll talk about a framework so we can implement it. Right? Seems simple enough. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Now, let's talk a bit about situations in which we could use NVC. All right. We've identified five basic situations in which switching to a nonviolent framework would be great and it's very beneficial. Okay. So, number one, when something bothered you and you want to bring it up in a conversation. All right. And you find that as a hard conversation. Okay. Number two, when you need to have a difficult conversation on a touchy subject. Right, when people, you feel that people are going to get defensive or it's, it's a difficult situation. So something is when you are having difficulty bringing it up and yeah. the other one is when you know it's sensitive to the other person. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Number three, when you're feeling triggered, mm -hmm. very moved by something. Mm -hmm. Number four, when you notice the other part is triggered. <laughs> well, you have to pay attention to so all that. Both, what is this? For both... <laughs> Parties can be important to do this. Okay. And number five, when there is a conflict or miscommunication between right. two parties. Exactly. Which could involve you or not. Or not. Right? You could act as a mediator using MVC, for example. So if you've ever been in situations like any of the ones that Veda mentioned and feel like you could use some tools to help you navigate them better because past results haven't always been as good as you expected, then stick with us. All right, so NVC, again, stands for Nonviolent Communication. For context, this is like the Wikipedia 
<laughs> it was sense. created by Marshall Rosenberg in the 60s. And if we had to do like a Wikipedia definition, I would say that nonviolent communication focuses on observation without judgment, empathy, active listening, and a clear first understanding and then expression of emotions and needs in order to facilitate respectful and compassionate communication. It's quite a mouthful. Wow. Yeah, I was listening to it and I was like, wow. All right, so... No wonder we've been dedicating ourselves to this. All right, so it's a language. It's a language. NVC is a language. Marshall's book actually is called NVC, a language of life. Mm. Not just to connect with others, but also to ourselves. And be careful, though, as it's a language, we won't be able to master it immediately because languages are not about theory. They are about practice, practice, and practice. practice. And there might be like a Duolingo of NVC, but... <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to say language no, apps. No, no. <laughs> you want to put an name to it? Okay, okay. <laughs> But um, so be like, no I believe shortcuts. you. I believe you. You know about this. There are no shortcuts, right? You just you have to put in the work if you yes. if you want to learn a language, right? So let's talk a bit more about languages. We don't often stop to think about them, or we do because we're language nerds. But in general, mm -hmm. right? It's just something that you use, or for that matter, the words that we use. I think we've spoken about this before, but yes, because words are very powerful, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They transform and create realities. That's how we do it, right? We create realities through words and to honor our relationship to ourselves, of each person with our their own self their own constructed reality with words we are going to focusing on using nonviolent communication to listen and talk to ourselves differently and not only as a strategy to talk to others all right because we've seen this happening a lot right of people saying it okay this is a tool not to have conflicts with the other but we want to focus and drive our attentions to that right to ourselves first like with everything that we've talked about in yes. compassion and empathy right first yes. you Than others. You can't pour from an empty cup. Exactly. All right. Um, so we said NVC is a new language. And if it's new, this by opposition implies that we're speaking another language at the moment. Right? Oh, yes, we are. And we're fluent in it. <laughs> we said we didn't love the name, but Marshall Rosenberg coined nonviolent as a word that differentiates from the language of violence. Okay. And for him, violence was very ample. It was whatever that disconnects us from our humanness. Hmm. Now, what we think of as violence is very specific, right? We said today, like, oh, I feel like, you know, you imagine violence and it's hitting, punching, exactly. shouting, It's cursing. Yeah. But in what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what people think about. Are no. you serious? What? Fuck that. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but in this more general ample concept, I like that word that you used. We have to think of violence as warlike in that there are two sides, right? Pitted against each other. And any language that doesn't try to find some common ground is violent. So building bridges. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is a huge bridge builder. Huge bridge builder. Hmm. Yes. And it's difficult to grasp this sometimes, this concept of, of being violent in language, because all of our lives we've been taught a really violent language, right? We've been taught to sustain the existing structures and to behave in the correct way, a world of right and wrong. A good world, and bad. Yeah, good, bad, full of mandates and judgments and freaking should storms that we've talked about. Yes. Uh, we live in a world where basically we impose our views on each other constantly. 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 And I It's know that you feel the weight of what I'm saying, right? Yes. <laughs> But this is so relevant because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. But we normalize judging so much since we are very young. And like I said before, it's not just doing it to others. Mm. We do this to ourselves constantly to the point of pushing us, treating ourselves in ways we'd never put up if other people did it to us, right? Yeah. yeah. Have you, dear listeners on the other side, paid attention to how you talk to yourself? Marshall says we tend to fluctuate from aggressive talking, mm -hmm. th that is throwing our anger towards others to depressive talking, which would be more like throwing the anger and aggression towards oneself. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? And if you're a parent, have you heard what your kids say when he or she messes up? 
That's terrible, isn't it? When you when you hear your kids criticizing themselves, I'm it's such like a dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can hear yourself say it. It's terrible. So, NVC invites us to listen to ourselves, and in doing so, it helps us know ourselves much better. Ah, good old know thyself. Yes. It's good to be back, isn't it? Saying the same thing <laughs> just to we say, always say. <laughs> just to say this. But we have reached the conclusion of how transformative this is in several episodes, haven't we? Yes. And by the way, when we're when are we going to get those t shirts anyway? Have you we have to get them this you season? Said, you said that you had t shirts at one point. We I have do to, have them there right here. <laughs> we just have to get them printed. Yes. All right. We we're gonna have to do this. Because our credibility is as good as chocolate the teapot then. So. <laughs> All right, so Chocolate teapot aside, to illustrate this, this language, these two languages that, that we talked about. Rosenberg, violent and non-violent yeah. languages. Rosenberg spoke about two languages. He said giraffe language and jackal language, right? To be able to identify what is NVC and what is not. Yeah, Marshall has been criticized by some for the use of animals to describe this. But I think he was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, it might seem a little childish at first, but I, I think it's because he used puppets. I've seen pictures yes, of him with puppets. Yes, he uses puppets. Yeah, he goes that far. He gives off the, you know, the, what's, what's that? The counselor, the guidance counselor in South Park. You know, the, okay, the one. That now, uh, as your counselor, I'm here to tell you about drugs and alcohol and why they're bad. Okay? All right, well, okay, he gives off those vibes, but... Puppets are cringe usually, right? But if you see past the puppets, I see think past the puppets. See it. See past the puppets. Don't look at the pictures on internet. His po his point was really spot on. Yeah. Now these animals, he gives a clear code in a graphical, non-threatening way. It's like he doesn't. Um, for me, this was a noise at, the po at a point. I'm going to be honest, but. Then I understood that this gave a keyword, right? Like a clue with people that you didn't have to go all technical on them. Yeah. So I think actually it's a great asset. Mm. Now, just imagining the animals, we can picture what they portray also. All right. Like jackals are creatures that go around lurking for food, always ready to attack or to defend themselves. Like mm. this aggressive, depressive fluctuation we were mentioning. Yeah. And giraffes are calm animals with very long necks that allow them to stay grounded and look farther. Mm. That is why NVC is giraffe language. It is a language of perspective. A couple of years ago, all of Abstractus leadership team, we did the Harvard negotiation method. Have oh, yeah. you heard about it? Yeah, I've never done it though. And, and they've used this for very complex situations, right? Uh, as well as Marshall Rosenberg, he mediated in very uh, serious conflicts also. Mm. And But in the Harvard negotiation method, they told us about that uh, one key element was going to the balcony, mm -hmm. which was a great code. And we used it for many years of seeing, of saying, let's see the bigger picture. Yeah, giraffing. <laughs> giraffing. <laughs> I like giraffing, giraffing better. It has better memes, you know. <laughs> like you can use stickers. <laughs> going to the balcony sounds very classy, but giraffing... Mm. So what constitutes giraffing or talking in nonviolent language, right? When we speak in giraffe, we humanize, we avoid labeling. It's not static. We see how things evolve and change. And we talk about now, but not always. You know, it's the difference between you seem, um, I don't know, anxious or you are anxious. Exactly. Right? Like this difference there is, between There's labeling. room for change. Yeah. Yes. And when we speak giraffe, we don't talk about rules or morals or shoots. Mm -hmm. We don't judge. We don't sermon. Oh, my God, that is difficult for me. And we don't take it personal. All right. We don't want to be right. We want to connect. We want to accept. But, you know, when you're reading the list, it's like... Come on, this is like Gandhi level stuff. What are you talking about? And yeah, very difficult. I'm huh? too mundane for this. You, you <laughs> but you don't have to be transcendent to to put this in use. And I think that this is something. I think this is also a reason why we wanted to talk about this because we we. We were introduced to NVC through a teacher that we really, really admire. Who we love you, Mariana. If you're there. <laughs> we love you, and but she's not 
transcendent. She doesn't seem transcendent. No. She's like everyday, you know, she she grounded. Yeah. And there's lots of Normal humor. And Let's, yeah. even even we use sarcasm. Mm. We laugh with these shackles. Yes. We'll get into that later I've on. D- I've done other courses and and seen other things where people are a little bit more elevated level. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's it's a little bit diff- more difficult to to connect with that, but I think it's important to know that you don't have to be transcendent to put it in use. Well, one of the things that uh, uh, that has done the trick for me is this mantra, <laughs> which is we we call it we don't call it a mantra, but repeating ourselves all the time that we are learning, mm. because we need to accept that this is what we were doing was not that great. Yeah. And now be open to other ways. And if it doesn't, we don't get it right from the, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. about the intention it's of trying intention. out mm. this, not judging or judging less. <laughs> and, and there is there is a beauty in understanding that we're fluent in jackal language, right? Let's let, let's go over what constitutes okay, let's jackal then. What, what is violent? So violent is the opposite of everything you just said, right? Making judgments, not judgments like really harsh, but just any judgment mm-hmm. understanding yeah. life from from a right or wrong perspective exactly criticizing giving your opinion blaming labeling trying to impose my view on someone else and and when you say all of that you're like well if i can't do any of that then what else is is there left for me right like how am i supposed to interact <laughs> we're so used to this yes it feels like we have no option right like if you take away all of these things that are roadblocks it's like okay so so how do i talk to people right Okay, but when I am in a situation that stirs up feelings in me, mm-hmm. you know, I can choose. I can. I can. Like, I can ask myself, will I react according to my habits, to what I have always done? Or will I react in harmony with my values and what is important to me? And for this, NVC can be a hugely powerful tool to remind us of that space between action and reaction. And even if you don't get it right at the beginning, and even if you forget about it existence, because it's happened to me that I start having an argument and in the middle, I'm like, oh, there was NBC, an option, but ah, you remember, an there is so an option. You, oh, you have to sort of backtrack mm-hmm. <laughs> and do it again, right? And I think that that's, that's also beautiful. Right? Yes. So giraffing, the language of MVC, is a language of emotions and needs. And that's it. Yes. That's so it. basically, mm. like you get whatever, and you just translate it into emotions, emotions and needs. And emotions. emotions and needs. Okay. Now the amazing thing is that even as you start understanding a little bit, you get tools that allow you to translate mm-hmm. from jackal to giraffe. Okay. So this is very important because it implies that we don't even need others to speak it. Yeah. Translating in NVC can be really useful to untangle and mediate even in, in certain conflicts or just to widen your perspective to seeing more options, mm. not to take things so personally and living things in a lighter way or communicating in a more effective and fluent way and shorter. And shorter. Which and is very important right now. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes also, even if the interaction didn't go as planned, like going back afterwards and sort of analyzing and translating so that you can understand it better for the next time that yes. you interact is you, also valid. You keep learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's, part of, it's part of learning. Yeah. So how are you guys on the other side so far? So far so good? Too intense? What? <laughs> okay. Take a deep, take a deep breath. So, we've identified that there are languages that we speak to others and to ourselves, and now we can present a framework for communication. Mm-hmm. The hacks that everyone's always looking yes, for. Yes, right? the so steps. <laughs> we have steps today. So we have take- steps. All right, so not always, but when you feel that you can, which means that you first have to take your temperature, right? Like if you look... A check-in. Yeah, check-in with yourself. If you look internally and you get bitten by jackals, then no. <laughs> Maybe it's not the right time. But if you feel like you have room and availability, you can apply MVC by going through these four simple steps. Observe, say how you feel, state what you need, and then make a request. We're going to walk you through how to do each step because it seems really simple, but it's not. And we're going to set an example, yeah, so that it's easier. Now, let's imagine that you are a manager, right? And you have a team leader, let's call her um, Emma, who comes to you and she is very concerned and says the following. 
I feel like John is disengaged from work, like he's quiet quitting. He doesn't care about what's going on, he doesn't pay attention, and everyone's complaining about it. I can't do this anymore, I need to get rid of him. <gasps> and you took your temperature as the manager, right? And you feel like you can put your giraffe ears on, and so you want to start the disentanglement by giving your team leader, Emma, some empathy, right? So how do we go about that? Better. So we said step one was observe. Okay. Observe what happened, not what I think happened okay. or the story I'm telling myself that happened. Mm -hmm. What actually happened as if we were filming this and seeing it with a camera, if we were to hand in the scene to a complete outsider, what would they say happened? Hmm. Now, this is really hard. You know, Krishnamurti? Exactly. Said, this is a step all unto yeah, itself, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's really, that's why I think it's, it's really important to walk people through them. Because if you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah. But what exactly constitutes this? Um, I was going to say, Krishnamurti, he said that observation without judgment is the highest form of intelligence. And if you think about it, we're always like you look at something and you judge. I like it. I don't like it. I know I, I, it's, it's big, it's small. We categorize and label, right? So it's difficult for us to observe without attaching a thought or judgment or giving into the temptation of our own narrative. It's so ingrained that we think we're observing and we're actually not. And many times we're making a galactic leap to conclusions and judgments in our observations, right? Like our friend Emma there. John is quite quitting. He doesn't care. He's such an asshole. <laughs> it's all going pear-shaped. No, <laughs> I'm going to lose my job. This is terrible. Like all of these things that go through your mind, those are not observations. That's that's why we, we wanted to insist on this term of the galactic leap. Mm. Because then when you observe this... Yeah, there's a big space. There's a big space. <laughs> but at the... At the heat of the moment, yeah. everything seems like one takes to the other. Yeah. Now, yeah. And falling into the narrative <laughs> is what escalates the violence. And sometimes this violence escalates very quickly with others and with myself. Yeah. We're talking about separating what's mine from everything else. What would you what would this look like in our example? Mm -hmm. John doesn't care. He's disengaged. He's quite quitting. All of those are judgments. Mm -hmm. These are Emma's interpretations, her theories. Is she wrong? We don't know that. Emma is making interpretations because humans, we interpret we the do. world. That's what we do. We tell ourselves stories about the things that That's are That's what we do. So we cannot avoid her doing it, but we can avoid her putting that into action <laughs> and thinking that that's the reality right like it's assuming observing. that that's the only way of seeing things that's really difficult that's really really difficult mm, yes so what actually happened when we we ask her why would she say that the observation is that he hasn't turned his camera on in the last three meetings Emma sent him a message yesterday on Slack and it took him two hours to answer. He didn't come to the last after office. Those were the observations. Exactly. And when when in the first judgment, you don't even know what happened. Like you, you, you literally have no idea what actually happened. Right. And always with concrete examples, you said, I sent a message yesterday and it took him two hours. Right. He didn't come to the last after office it's it's concrete things not using always never right those it's things that we said when we were static. going to give feedback yeah but sometimes we forget yes now also good tip here watch out for your grammar simple present first conditionals in observations they get us into trouble <laughs> okay so just this step can reframe a lot of how we experience what happens, right? Even if you don't say anything to anybody about it, it clears how you think about the situation. You can write it out mm. on your own. Yeah. You don't have to talk about yes. this with anybody even. Mm. Because just the mere exercise is like clearing your glasses through which you see the world, you know, like Ooh, by like focusing yeah. on what you're what actually happened you can lighten up the situation yeah it's like an internal dialogue that can help you take perspective and you feel that your your neck starts elongating like a giraffe yeah so once you've observed without judgment you can move to step two which is identify and state the feelings that you are experiencing your emotions this is talking about how we feel mm-hmm 
don't be afraid of that. <laughs> what happens to me with this thing that happened? Emotions are not that clearly linked with time or chronological events. They push uh, to be attended. They are, some emotions can run very deep to other things. They are messy. Mm. They are so important in our lives, yet we know so little about them. Yeah. So we want to invite you to, because we discussed this in greater depth in yeah. our episode on emotional lit uh, literacy. Mm -hmm. This is our second season. Yeah. So please, we highly recommend going back to that on what we said It's on this. It's literally called The One About Emotional Literacy. The One About <laughs> Emotional Literacy, second season, second episode. Right, so one thing I came to understand through MVC, um, talking about feelings, is that what you feel is yours and nobody else's responsibility. Now, I know that this might seem obvious to some, but I'm sure that many can relate because when, when I grew up, I, I grew up thinking that I could make people ashamed, angry, or sad, right? But I have to hold myself accountable for what I feel. Nobody else is responsible. Mm -hmm. And that there is really paradigm shifting for, for some of us. What si the way we are approaching emotions is completely new. Yeah. It's completely new. So yes, uh, you probably have not, uh, you did not grow up thinking of emotions the way we're thinking of emotions right now. And in the, wor in the world of work, emotions did not play the role they are playing now, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So now this thing that you were saying about how what, what happens is something and it's not the, the, the stimulized responsibility, what you feel, it's because we are cultural beings, right? Emotions are triggered in us by what happens. But what triggers these emotions will vary from person to person. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I can do something and for some people that can be totally acceptable, okay, or even neutral. Mm -hmm. And for another person, that same thing can trigger feelings of inadequacy, guilt, shame. like. And you feel <laughs> that there is no other option. That I, I felt that. Like, it's obvious that I was going to feel that, or you, or and it's not. If you are feeling these feelings, you don't see how other people are not feeling the same. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it varies so much from one person to the other. Yes. So, this is because it's the person who receives it and perceives it, right? How he or she interprets this. Yeah. And those ideas, those ideas are what fuel these emotions and humans we interpret the world as we're saying these patterns have a lot to do with our belief system what happened in our history what we've been taught what we've been modeled trauma we, trauma <laughs> we cannot judge that no can i change this though yes but for that we need to challenge it okay. we can transform how we go about these experiences how we think about these triggers because humans we are not animals we don't react by instinct so once we identify them when we question them yes we can change that but not like uh like a pavlov dog right okay well, <laughs> it's like we said it's going to take time yes All right. At this point, also being careful to separate feelings from thoughts. I think you said today we were approaching emotions differently. I, I was never taught. Go back to that episode where we talk about how to identify. Right. But saying things like I feel that or I feel like they're not feelings. They're thoughts. Okay, because we're using the word feeling a lot. Yeah. yeah. But we're not always talking about feelings when yeah, we say feeling. No, I feel like you completely misinterpreted. But it's, it's not a This feeling. is your thought. Yeah. Um, and also when you describe an emotion, it has to be something that you can experience on your own in order for you to be accountable for it. Like if you were on a desert island, let's say, if not, it's a judgment, right? Like if you say, I felt abandoned, right? If you were on a desert island, you, well, <laughs> you might say that you felt abandoned by everyone <laughs> who put you there. But let's say that you lived there normally, right? You wouldn't feel abandoned. You could say that you felt vulnerable or that you felt sad or I, I don't know, many others, right? But if not, it's a judgment because and you're not holding yourself accountable. And it's a judgment because there is a theory, there is an idea that things should be different. There is an expectation. Yeah. And that you are a victim of the situation. All right? this thinking yeah. that you were talking about. So in the example that we set above, yes, with let's the go back to the job, to the job arena. Let's leave <laughs> abandonment issues and, aside and the desert island. So 
let's go back to Emma, right? Maybe Emma is feeling insecure or maybe she's feeling afraid because she feels that John might leave and she's in the middle of the project or something. Or maybe she's frustrated because it's taking her a lot of effort and time and she had high expectations about how he was going to perform and she's tired. Um, and maybe she's receiving a lot of complaints and it's time consuming. And yeah, yeah, the list is endless because... It is a guess. It's maybe the only one who will know what Emma is feeling is drum roll, please. Emma. Emma. <laughs> <laughs> so we could mirror. And we can't argue with that. When you actually, you can argue when you say I feel like something happened. But when you talk about something that you feel like I feel anxious, I can't argue with you about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That's, that's what you're that, feeling. Yeah, that's the whole point, right? But we could mirror. Guess what it is that she's feeling. Right. We could mirror is... Um, it's like you throw it back to her. Yes, right? throwing it back to her, but not to be right, not to be the best interpreter, not to have the best interpretation and play psychologist on other people, to accompany her in the feelings that she's going through. Something like, sounds like you are feeling angry. Is that, a, is that it? Is it angry that you're feeling? No. Ah, what is it that you're feeling then? Is it frustrated? Uh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, you are you're feeling frustrated because... And you listen some mm. more because, well, you see what comes up. And after you listen some more, you can help her summarize it. Offer some distance, yeah. some perspective, something like, yeah, you feel frustrated because you think that John might leave. Is that it? Yes. He could leave and that worries you because you think this could mean that all his all your his effort would be put to waste or that all his expectations are not met. And then maybe she could also say something like, no, it's not really that. It's more that, you know, you, I, I don't know. I, I feel disconnected or separate or... It frustrates I, it, me it, because I thought that he was going to be my best, my work buddy. <laughs> yes, and that makes you feel lonely. Up, Whatever yeah. happens yeah. is valid yes. because we're talking about what she's feeling, mm. not what should happen yeah. in the workplace or anything, right? And this, there is a dance here that mm. we need to be open up because there are very clear steps in this, um, in this technique. But remember, this is above all, it's a perspective. It's not just the technique. So yeah. we're going to be dancing it, it, here. It, it helps you to find the words to, that offer less resistance, but you have to be open to listening. Yes. Now, whatever comes up in this conversation, these are ideas and they need to be addressed. Yes, but later in a different note, in a different moment. Right now, when she is fired up, when she's triggered, she's anguished, whatever it is happening to her, we need to identify the feeling that is fueling all this noise and has her all triggered up, frustrated, tired, afraid, whatever it is, and just hone it, you know, just making room to it, listening to it, having her being heard hmm. because she's to the she's at the point of saying she can't do it anymore. Yeah. So that is temperature. Yeah. Right. So, so you have to sort of filter out all the noise and get to the emotion. Exactly. Yeah. So once we have step two down, observe and say how I feel, we can move to step three. Now I can identify what the need is, right? So we've spoken about needs many times. It's never enough. What are needs? According to Rosenberg, all humans have some basic and universal needs. It's what's important for me at the moment, right? Every human action is an attempt to meet a need. In this framework, all our emotions, the ones that we were talking about before, not thoughts, but emotions, are connected to needs. Pleasant emotions are related to a need that is met, like if I'm satisfied, right, because something happened. And unpleasant emotions are about a need that is not met, like this anxiety or sadness that we were talking about, right? There's something that's missing. You're not being able to satisfy a need. So sorry, I'm stuck on emotions, but you said Pleasant emotions and unpleasant emotions, not good or bad, right or wrong. Yeah. Emotions <laughs> when our needs are met and emotions when our needs are unmet. Yeah. And needs like emotions, they are ours and only ours, even if they're targeted towards others. Like maybe I want to contribute or to take care right, of others, which are all needs. 
but they're still mine. And very beautiful needs yes. that we all have. Yes, but they're still mine. Exactly. Right, and these needs are universal to all humans. Now, understanding the needs, putting a name to them, even looking at the list that uh, the Center for Nonviolent Communication uh, hands over, this is bridge building mm. because it's like a hack on communication. Because yeah. when we connect to our needs and others, it's easier to understand because we can all relate across cultures. Needs are things like autonomy, comfort, connection, contribution, safety, confidence, intimacy, play, mourning, transcendence, self-expression, community. Acceptance. Uh, so, yes, th there are more, but there are not infinite number of needs. There no, and you, and you understand what that means when somebody says that they need... Um, intimacy. Intimacy or autonomy or connection right like you, you know exactly what they're talking about now universal doesn't mean that they are identical hmm. how it feels for you might not be identical to the other person okay so i take that back it's not exactly it's how. not exactly <laughs> i have an idea but you have an idea <laughs> yes okay right some are more prevalent than others in some people like the need for safety or for others can be the need for mutuality yeah or but autonomy well, like mm -hmm. I, i've identified mine i know you exactly <laughs> when we when you start talking with some people about this you see that we tend to have some that are our preferred they always come up yes they? that yeah. they are there right yeah. more prevalent mm. now but when we talk about what need we have being satisfied or not satisfied we can understand why the other person is trying to satisfy that and we understand what is at stake in very few words yeah now it's really important at this point to separate a need from a strategy right like strategies are the ways in which we try to satisfy needs right um we're, it's the way that we're trying to meet that need and actually this is where conflict lives because conflicts are about strategies and not needs right there, there's never a conflict of needs there's never a conflict there's always the argument is always in the way that you're trying to get there right like but we all want the same in the end in in the end we all want the same but sometimes it's even difficult to identify that it is a strategy and for what need it is because you would never implement that strategy for a different need right like you're always hit with the other person's otherness like yes. at some point you're like what is that what you were trying to do <laughs> it's it's difficult and Some strategies can be wise and useful and effective and other times they can be really bad and they're tragic, right? I I cannot understand sometimes somebody else's strategy or it just, you know, I just simply think that somebody is an asshole, for example, <laughs> and really they're trying to do something to satisfy a need, right? And I can get stuck in the way that they're trying to so do So let's that. go to an example. Yes. <laughs> in our example... Uh, we got, what was it? I can't do this anymore. I have to get rid of him, right? I can't do this anymore. I have to get rid of him. I have to get rid of him. This is a strategy, right? Emma doesn't need to get rid of him. She may need confidence. She may need rest. She may uh, need safety uh, or she may need mutuality or connection that we were saying before, right? Uh, all of those, uh, the other things, getting rid of him, that's a strategy. Firing John is a strategy. Looking for another job is a strategy. Just giving John some extra training or coaching or even turning on the camera, for example, those are all strategies. It's not that strategies don't exist. They, they exist. They're the way in which we meet needs, right? Like, I'm hungry and so I eat. Right, exactly. eating is but what strategy. you eat can be different strategies. Exactly, or maybe I'm not. It's or not when. really hungry, and I'm eating, and I'm getting stuck on the strategy and not the need. Right, but it's we're really constantly confused about that. I think that that's the most difficult step: identifying, separating the strategy from the need. But that's because needs are difficult to pinpoint. Mm. Spotting the need cuts to the chase of why something is important to you. Yeah. But it's a tough conversation and we're not used to thinking about them. Yeah. Strategies can fail. We could even say that they will probably change. 
Yeah. Not, to, not to say they will fail, but they will change probably. Yeah. But the need is going to remain there because they remain alive until they are met. Or, or acknowledged at least. At right? least. That is why we say meet the need, mm. right? This is a good point. This does not mean that to meet the need, we can do anything we want. Yes. This is far from it. No. Let's make this difference, right? Sometimes acknowledging what your need is and that it's not being met mm. and mourning that mm. is it's part of the of, of the process, right? Yeah. Because you acknowledge that this is very important to you and, and that makes room for it. Yeah. When we manage to hear what the need is, we get perspective and we start seeing options. Yeah. And this is one of the main reasons why NVC is so powerful. It opens options yeah. and that makes us free and brings accountability as we become aware of the role we play as we are responsible for our choices and decisions. Mm. Right? It's not I have to turn on the the screen the um, the camera or not. Yeah. And going back to our example, once we identify the needs just like we did with emotions, we can suggest them to Emma, right? Like we can say, yeah, it sounds like you're afraid that this might affect your project because this job is really important for you. I found that sometimes talking about my need, you know, when I say I need, it sounds like, but when you say something is important for me, yes. uh, it's a, it, it's it's a, a way of a, expressing your need that doesn't sound so... It matters to me. Yeah, it matters to me. It's important to me. Yeah. And maybe you could say something like you're frustrated because you've put in a lot of effort and you're tired and need to be more at peace or you're frustrated because you need connection and mutuality, right? Like Some of those words sound weird at first, but it's part of our um, I'm making our widening our language, right? Our yeah. vocabulary. Yes. Now. Shall we move to the last step? Yes. Step number four. We have observed what the situation is and we've cleared out the way. We've identified what it is that you're feeling with the help of others. We've um, cleared out what, in this case, Emma is needing with the help of others yeah. or by herself. Step number four. What happens once I've observed, I identify how I feel and figured out what my need is? Many times, nothing more. Just doing this exercise frees us up from the oppression we feel when we think we have no options. Yeah. And the word depression might sound uh, very strong. But it is, though. But it is. Yeah, because uh, you feel constrained, don't you? Like When ah, you see options, the yes. whole thing changes. Yes. You realize you're part of the decision. Mm. That we do this or that because, not because we have to, because so and so or because so-and-so is making me. We do it because we choose. And that makes a whole difference. Yeah. That self-talk, just being able to revisit the story I tell myself can be really big. But I can also make a request. That's step number four, right? A simple request about what would make my life, get this, more wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I what? love it. It just sounds so naive, but oh my god, like what you know what would make my life more wonderful? And like how how can you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> and this can be done to others or just to myself. Yes. Right? Like requests are different from demands. Okay. Because to be true requests, to be true questions of what could make your life more wonderful, mm. we need uh to be something that it can be specific, okay, not general, like be more professional or it yeah. has to be positive, like not in reference to what you don't want, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want you to stop doing this. Yeah. And here's a detail that it's not a minor one. Make it acknowledging that I will not impose my will, that the other person can say no. What? No way. <laughs> That's what a request is. <laughs> if not, you're masquerading it uh, with a demand. With a demand. Now, so, yeah, of course. But I'm thinking about the yeah. world in, in this example, the world of work, of retention. Yeah. Right? In the world of work, they're talking about retaining, retaining people. Yeah. Retaining talents. Like, you can say no, you can leave. No. So if you leave, it's an option. Mm. But if you're staying, it's an option that you are taking. Yeah. And it makes you more accountable. Yeah. You are not feeling oppressed. Yes. You are an active part of the decision. Exactly. And it changes how you're standing in front of the other. 
my main take on on NVC and the reason why I think it's so important is that I it has helped me to sort of get back my power exactly. on, on my own existence, right? Like the accountability of my own existence and things that I want, right? Like it's so easy to put that in hands of other people and think that others are making those decisions for you. It's scary to think that you're the one that's making the decisions for your crappy life, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um so thinking about the request thing because this sounds, you know, at, at one point when when we were first learning this, it was like but what there's, you know, there's no consequences. Like I just let people do whatever they want and that's it. And the important thing here is that there will be consequences. There won't be punishment, but there will be consequences. So there will be consequences. If you say no, there will be consequences, but it won't be in the form of a punishment, not because you said that. No, it will it's be a consequence. Look, yeah, because exactly. as you said that, yeah. then this if, other if thing happens. If this is like this, then no, right? Like you, you can you set boundaries. This is associated to setting boundaries. The intention of vengeance comes to mind here. But that's the difference. If when you make it punitive, like when 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 you want to get vengeance and you make it punitive, that's the difference between the consequence and a punishment. You know, like it's not directly associated. If you're not seeing this clearly enough, go to kids. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so in our example, right? We wouldn't be making a request maybe with Emma because we were just giving Emma some empathy. Maybe we could say like would you be willing to talk about this with mm -hmm. John, right? But it's not I, I think in in the case of Emma, we were just giving empathy. But if Emma were to speak to John, she could make a request, right? Like she could say, "Turn your camera on." come to the next meeting let me know if you're not going to be available on slack get some coaching like all of these things like all these strategies that we were talking about that's what your request is like i want you to do this specific thing to make my life more wonderful you don't have to say that part but you do internally to yourself exactly <laughs> because but that the what you say internally to you in the previous part like the backstage also operates yes. on how you think about yes. it so it's important saying it yeah. now requests can be denied we yeah. said But if you state how you feel and express your needs, it's much more probable that you will connect. And when you connect with other person, it's more difficult that they will say no, frankly, yeah. because they they start caring also. They see what you care about and they say they have they can build this bridge towards empathy towards you. So yeah. It's an important step. Now, let's go back to our example. When we gave Emma empathy, right? She had some insights or we had we helped her to to go that way and to have some insights. And then she has to think about how to translate this to John, right? Like if Emma was going to have a conversation with John, she would have to think about how she's going to frame this, right? And this is important because there is a translation here about being transparent and telling her what she's going through mm. but at the same time not feeling that she's forced to be completely wearing her heart on her sleeve yeah. particularly in a work context I, i find that this is very important to clarify because yeah. bring your full self to work etc yeah, et there are some parts, there are some that, parts that you might want to keep more private to you yeah So this might sound like, listen, John, when you didn't turn your camera on the last meetings, I felt frustrated because connection is important for me. And when your camera is off, I don't get to see that. And also a little insecure because I don't know how you're feeling and mutuality is important for me too. But as in each of these steps, you see how this goes down. If a conversation might open up and you don't have to vomit all four steps. <laughs> like, wait, wait, I haven't finished. I'm in step three. But you can offer empathy. And as you listen, then you can make your request because your request might change in the course of the conversation, right? Exactly, right? All of this is a framework to help you to find the words and to have the conversation. And sometimes it, it's it's a little messy, right? Like That's why we said this would take practice, guys. Yeah. And even when you have practice, like at the beginning, you might have wanted to request that John turn on his camera. And right? you were insistent that that was that what was you 
needed. request, right? But then uh, you did the first three steps, and John told you that he's working from his mom's house because he broke up with his girlfriend, and he had to move out, and he's embarrassed about working from his mom's bedroom. I know what some of you might be thinking. Is that an excuse? Well, it could be an excuse. But you might find that you can request him to turn on the camera, or you might end up offering him a better space at the office because you understand that he also needs support and connection. And, and a lot of times, and this is what is magical. At least there is an option there, right? At least so there is an option. The, uh, the only way out of of her not firing him was that he had to turn on the camera. And now it's like, well, you can turn the camera on or you can come to the office. So there's an option, yeah. which there wasn't. Yeah. And... I was going to say what 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 I find magical about NVC is that a lot of times when you start having the conversation, you think you're at opposite ends of of something, and then you end up discovering that you have the same needs, yeah. And um, maybe this guy was feeling, maybe John was feeling uh, embarrassed and whatever, and so he turned off his camera, but he actually was needing support. And that's why he was disengaged from work. And it's the same as support and connection. And it's the same thing that Emma was feeling, right? And so at the end, when you sort of move through all the shit, a lot of times you find that you're not on opposing sides, that what you want is the same. And the, the difference was just the strategy that you were using to get there. Right? That's why this is such a hack for building yeah. bridges. Yes. Yes. All right. So it can get messy and we have to wing it a little. And that's fine. Yeah, be flexible with it. But what are, what are the doors these kind of conversations in the workplace open up? Like the risk of just agreeing on the strategy is that you don't go to what is underneath. Yeah. And it's very unlikely that John will care about what Emma is asking him to do. Like, let alone if all the things that are happening in his life and Emma is oblivious to it, like it starts generating lots of noise to the point of being in, like in parallel realities. It brings us so far apart. Yes, yes. And all of this really is just to see how we can contribute to making our lives more beautiful and lighter for ourselves and for others, right? I think it sounds really naive and I think... You've said it already, so apparently... Because I, I think about this and I think about Mer of the past listening to this and sort of being like, ah, <laughs> this is so cringy, like I think she would puke, you know? But... I think about it and I think maybe she would have been reluctant to listen to all of this stuff, but I think that she would really have appreciated the empathy that comes with it, you know? And there's something very rich there, right? This is true to this as well as to other skills that we discuss on this on this podcast. But this one particularly, I'd say. Yeah. And it is that no matter how much you read or listen about it, they have you need to have them modeled. Like experiencing this type of empathy is truly transformative yes. Yes. and it gives you hope. So we really hope you go out and try it out. At least that you're curious about it, right? Yes. All right. That, my friends, is a wrap. Thank you for joining us. And see you soon. We're back. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around till the end so we can give you our CTA. If you like this episode, share it with someone who could use it. And remember to follow us on social media. We are the Everything Else Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow us on LinkedIn. We are Vera Babat and Mercedes Remedi. A big shout out to our sponsors, Learning and Abstracta, our sound producers at Uicast, and our producer, Natalie Rogers. 